From CPRI and the CPRI Knowledge Hub, this is Research Minutes, a weekly look at new and important research in education. Today, we look at the household impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic and a new study using internet search data to gauge how students and parents responded to widespread school closures. There was in spring 2020 a huge and unprecedented nationwide spike in the extent to which Americans were searching both for these school-centered online learning resources and for these parent-centered learning resources. We welcome study co-author and Boston University researcher Joshua Goodman. Goodman breaks down his team's findings. What we saw, which was striking, is that search intensity for online learning resources spikes much more intensely in these high-income, high-educated, very wired areas of the country than it does in areas that are lower income. And their implications for education policy, practice, and future research. There's a lot going on in homes that we don't often have good measures of. I think it's a potential source of inequality that we may not pay sufficient attention to at this point. That's right now on Research Minutes. Hello, and welcome to Research Minutes. I'm Keith Miller, Managing Editor of the CPRI Knowledge Hub. Today, we're happy to welcome Joshua Goodman, Associate Professor of Education and Economics at Boston University. Welcome back to the podcast, Josh. Thanks so much for having me. So today, we're discussing your new working paper, which was co-authored by Boston University's Andrew Bakker-Hicks and the RAND Corporation's Christine Mulhern, titled Inequality in Housing Adaptation to Schooling Shocks, COVID-Induced Online Learning Engagement in Real Time. It was just accepted for publication in the Journal of Public Economics, and it, it offers a unique and frankly often troubling window into how students and families responded to school closures in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, To start, I'm curious about the origins of this story. What questions did your team have and why did you think internet search data might offer some answers? So I'm a big fan of a a phrase that I heard, I don't know how many years ago, that says all research is me-search. And it applies in this case because in March of 2020, when schools across the country shut down, uh, my wife and I were directly affected by this. We have three elementary school age children who are in a public school in Massachusetts. And when our school shut down, it was obviously hugely disruptive. We were suddenly at home, you know, 24 hours a day with our kids. And the school, though it tried to sort of ramp up the online learning, it was very hard to do that in sort of the short time that the pandemic had given everyone. There wasn't a lot of lead time. And so what did my wife and I do? We sort of frantically started Googling all kinds of resources we thought to keep our kids learning, math worksheets, you know, online learning activities, all kinds of stuff. And it felt a bit frantic, frankly. Uh, we were we were looking for something that would help our kids sort of make up for all this lost instructional time, both because we wanted to keep them learning, but also we just wanted to keep them sort of active and engaged. And so after we did this for a while, on the one hand, I was sort of sick of thinking about the pandemic because it was ruining our, our home lives and, and the world more broadly. But I decided to, it felt like I should be a little more constructive. And I started to think, is there a, is there a research question in here? In other words, could we see whether households more broadly are doing the kinds of behaviors that my wife and I were, uh, I suspected they were. And we started to think about how, how could we figure that out? And that's when we turned to this publicly available online search data. 
And could you walk us through your approach to this? Uh, what kinds of data were you analyzing and what were you looking for? So we were using data from the Google Trends website. So Google makes publicly available measures of what it calls search intensity, the fraction of Google searches devoted to any term you want to type into their website. And in fact, you can, you can see it, how active search is for that term now, and you can actually go back pretty far in time. So we downloaded data on search behavior from about five years ago through the spring of 2020, which is when we were writing the paper. We we're really writing this paper this past summer. Uh, and our goal was to ask whether search patterns had changed from the sort of previous four, four and a half years. It's, had they changed suddenly in the spring of 2020 when the pandemic struck and closed down schools? And the neat thing about Google Trends is that you can download national versions of the data to see, you know, in general, how are Americans searching for various terms? And you can also look in a, a more geographically fine-grained unit. So you can look at states or actually even finer groups of counties that are uh, in general smaller than states. And so we downloaded data from this Google Trends website for all kinds of search terms. We actually spent a long time trying to figure out what are, what are the kinds of terms that we think indicate parents and students are searching for various online learning resources. And our method was once we had these search terms, we basically had two goals. One was to just do a simple before and after the pandemic analysis, looking to see whether search patterns for the U.S. as a whole had changed in a way that was different from prior years. And then we also had a, a goal of looking in a more fine-grained way at these groups of counties and asking whether the extent to which search for these online learning resources changed differed by the socioeconomic status of a given geographic area of the U.S. Uh, and so that was a sort of difference-in-difference approach where there was a, a before-after component to it, sort of pre- and post-pandemic, but also uh, sort of rich areas versus poor areas source of variation as well. And I want to talk about that more fine-grained analysis in just a moment. But to start, could you give us an idea of your, your general findings? Um, overall, how did families' search patterns change in the wake of the pandemic? Yeah, so the first thing I have to tell you is that uh, we were really struck as we started generating lists of potential search terms that, that were relevant to sort of online learning resources. We were struck at how well the, the list could be divided into two groups. We called these groups school-centered resources and parent-centered resources. What we meant by this was that school-centered resources were things like Google Classroom or Edmodo or Schoology, which are learning platforms that schools use in order to deliver instructional content and time to students. In other words, these were terms where a parent would not be searching for this term if the school had not told them to, because a parent cannot on his or her own get their student to use Google Classroom. It has to be in combination with a teacher or a school. And so there were a number of these school-centered resources like Google Classroom, these online learning platforms. And then there were a number of resources we called parent-centered, which were, for lack of a better word, generic resources. But people would search for terms like math worksheets or online learning or homeschooling activities or something of that sort, which indicated that a parent was probably looking generally for some kind of learning resource, but in a way that was almost certainly not connected to or prompted by a school. So our first task was sort of to divide the world up into these school versus parent-centered learning resources that people were searching for. And, and then the second was to then look and say, you know, so nationwide, what do we see as the, the change in uh, intensity of search for these terms? 
And what we saw in the raw data, and even when we tried to control for the fact that it was spring versus other times of year, was that relative to past years, past springs, spring 2019, spring 2018, et cetera, that there was in spring 2020 a huge and unprecedented nationwide spike in the extent to which Americans were searching both for these school-centered online learning resources and for these parent-centered learning resources. And so just to give you a sense of the magnitude, the search for these things peaked in late March, early April, which was uh, sort of the early weeks when basically all schools in the nation were closed. And in those weeks, the amount of searching that Americans were doing for these kinds of terms was roughly twice as large as it was in those same weeks, but in prior years. So search for these things doubled at its peak, which suggests that parents were spending a lot more energy looking for these online learning resources, either independently, just on their own as parents, or prompted by the school saying, we're going to be using Google Classroom or another such instructional platform. That in itself is a surprising finding, but I think an even bigger takeaway from your work, and for me, the most troubling is the significant divide between families of higher socioeconomic standing and those from lower SES communities. Could you walk us through what you learned there? Yeah, so, so we saw this huge overall spike in search intensity for these online learning resources. But then we wanted to do this deeper dive and ask, did the extent to which this search spiked differ by folks' income or education levels or access to technology? Now, ideally, we would have had household level data where we could actually see how do rich households versus poor households, college educated versus non-college educated households, how do those households differ in their search behavior for these terms. We couldn't do that. Google doesn't make that data publicly available. So the best we could do was to say, we can uh, see how search intensity changed for sort of rich areas of the country versus poor areas of the country. And so we, we could see these groups of counties uh, called designated market areas, and we could categorize them. There are 210 of these designated market areas throughout the country. So the, the country can be chopped into 210 of these areas. And we could categorize an area as high income, high educated, you know, a high fraction of households having home computers and broadband internet access. And it turns out all of those things are very highly correlated. And so what we saw, which was striking, is that search intensity for online learning resources spikes much more intensely in these high income, high educated, very wired areas of the country than it does in areas that are lower income, less educated, less with, with less access to technology. So just, you know, again, to, to think about magnitudes, actually in basically all areas of the country, you know, search intensity spikes both in low and high income areas, but it spikes twice as much in areas that have above median income and education and technological access compared to areas with below median income, education and technological access. So this very striking finding that high income areas saw much larger spikes in search intensity for online learning resources. And those findings, like all new research that we've seen in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, they may not tell us the whole story, but they certainly do help fill in parts of a much larger picture. So what do you think the implications of a study like this are? What should policymakers, school leaders, and, and other stakeholders take away from this? Yeah, I, I think there are a few takeaways. One, and, and this is sort of obvious, but needs to be said, this move to online learning was an absolutely massive shock to families generally, both in terms of learning 
but also in terms of childcare. And so you see families sort of in this search data frantically trying to figure out how to fill the gaps left by the loss of in-person schooling. I think the second thing that it points to is the need for schools to do their best at making sure students are engaged in online learning. Part of that is making sure students have the technology, that they have a computer, that they have internet access, that they have a place to actually be when they are engaging in online learning. Uh, but it also means that even if they have those things, the school has to be engaging in these behaviors. It has to make sure that it provides an online platform for students to engage. And it has to make sure that students are actually, you know, literally engaged and excited and actually logging on every day. Uh, and there's, I think, some hints in this data that that's clearly not always going on. And then the third uh, sort of finding that I think, or the third sort of implication of our, our work is that it really sort of highlights the fact that there's this challenge that the private behavior of parents and maybe of students is going to be one key ingredient to understanding student outcomes, both in the COVID pandemic and more generally. A lot of the data we bring to bear in education research comes from public sources like school systems themselves, where we observe what the schools measure and see about students. But there's a lot going on in homes that we don't often have good measures of, such as, for example, the extent to which parents are trying to fill in the gaps that happen when schools shut down due to this pandemic. So the extent to which parents are looking for math worksheets or other online learning resources clearly is going to be important to whether a student is actually learning, but it's not something we see in a lot of the data. And I think it's a, a potential source of inequality that, that we may not pay sufficient attention to at this point. It's very well said. So my last question for you would be, are there opportunities here for future research, um, either for your team or others who are working to understand the impacts of the pandemic on educational equity? That's a great question. So I when I, we started this project, I was you know, mildly excited about it. And as the project sort of came to fruition, it became apparent to me that online search data, I think, contains substantially more useful information about people's education-related behaviors than we've previously realized. Some researchers smarter than I have used this, have used Google search data for other kinds of work, predicting the spread of flu, predicting uh, unemployment insurance claims, explaining voting behavior, but it's been surprisingly underutilized or really basically not utilized at all in the context of education. And so just as one example of another kind of investigation someone could do, I recently tweeted about this. If you just go on the Google Trends website and you look for what has happened to searches for, for bullying or school bullying, searches for that term have dropped dramatically in the last six to nine months. It's not perhaps surprising because fewer students are physically in school together, but it suggests that there is at least, you know, yet another sort of subtle implication of the shift to remote learning that would be hard to observe in a sort of public and typical data set, but that the, the search data reveals there's probably something very, an interesting story to tell there. And I think even more broadly, I personally have at least one project in the works hoping to further exploit this search data to understand not just what COVID did to you know, households' educational behaviors in the spring when it came as a real shock and these sort of sudden school closures, 
But we're now in a somewhat longer run situation where in the fall of 2020, you know, it wasn't as much of a shock. People understood that this is going to be a continuing and massive disruption. And I think there's scope to use this data to think more about what the longer run uh, changes in people's education related behaviors are for both this year and maybe even farther into the future. So I'm excited to see where this data can push forward our understanding of the ways in which uh, households, parents and students adapt to the kinds of challenges that the the pandemic has brought. And frankly, you know, even, uh, even more generally, I think there's scope for this data to inform our knowledge of how uh, student outcomes are, are affected by parents and students' own private decisions. It certainly uh, seems like a line of work that is worth following moving forward. But this work here, again, is just it's just fascinating, Josh. Um, and we encourage our listeners to go and read the full working paper. Again, it's titled Inequality in Household Adaptation to Schooling Shocks, COVID-Induced Online Learning Engagement in Real Time. And you can find it now at nber.org. Uh, Joshua Goodman, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure being back here again. Thanks for listening to this week's Research Minutes, presented by the CPRI Knowledge Hub. For more episodes or to subscribe to the series, you can find us at researchminutes.org. To share thoughts on today's episode or to suggest a future topic, you can follow us on Twitter at CPRI Hub. That's C-P-R-E Hub. <laughs>